Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. Last week, the BJGP team attended the annual Royal College of GPs conference up in Glasgow and presented a workshop looking at continuity of care. In this podcast, we're going to pull together some of what we spoke about at that workshop, which highlighted some of the exceptional research that has been published in the BJGP on continuity, and also present a piece by Sir Dennis Pereira Gray, which also contributed to the workshop and spoke about how to put continuity into practice. So the first bit that I wanted to start with is just some of the research evidence on continuity. And I'm going to dive right in and start with why does continuity actually matter to patients? I presented some research from a 2020 paper by May Reed Murphy and Chris Salisbury titled Relational Continuity and Patients' Perception of GP Trust and Respect, published here in the BJGP. And what this paper did was look at the experiences of patients with long-term conditions uh, in a qualitative research method approach. The patients in this study all valued that personal one-to-one relationship with the GP. What patients felt that continuity gave to them was that their GP knew them, gave clear and consistent advice, and really importantly, patients felt that continuity meant that they had built a relationship where their GP trusted and respected them. And I wanted to start with this paper because it goes back to set the groundwork for why patients actually want continuity. For many of us thinking about what continuity of care means, we think about that relational continuity between a patient and one or more GPs. But I wanted to also highlight an editorial recently published this June in the BJGP by Emma Lads and Krish Greenhall. In this editorial, they write about modernising continuity and embracing an extended definition of that term. And this editorial might be of interest if people wanting to think a bit outside the box of personal lists. This editorial describes four different ways to define continuity, starting with that first therapeutic continuity or that traditional relationship between a patient and one or two GPs. But the team also talk about disease episode continuity or where one GP follows a patient through a specific disease episode. They give the example here of a GP following a patient through an initial diagnosis of colorectal cancer, then following them through that cancer journey. Emma and Trish also describe a more team-based approach to continuity, which they call distributed work. And I think this will ring true for many of us now that we're working in multidisciplinary teams made up of pharmacists, nurse practitioners and GPs, where there's not just one person looking after a patient. And this really speaks to a coordinated approach to looking after one patient who might be seeing lots of different professionals. So here, at least, is a framework towards thinking about continuity, its benefits, and how we might think about continuity in its different guises. But what do we actually know about whether continuity is actually declining? The next paper I want to talk about was published back in 2021 by Peter Tams and colleagues, and is titled, Is Continuity of Primary Care Declining in England? This team used data from the annual GP patient survey, And the main headline findings from this paper were that 66% of patients in 2012 usually saw their preferred GP, but by 2017, this had declined by almost 10%. And this was across all different types of urban and rural practices and levels of deprivation. 
So I think this paper confirms what I think we all see in practice, and that is that there is a decline in continuity of care over time in England. And it's interesting to note that the named GP scheme, where everyone has a named GP, was introduced in 2014 and doesn't seem to have really had any effect on improving continuity of care. I'm going to move on to some bigger observational studies, and the next paper published by Sandvik and colleagues titled Continuity in General Practice as a Predictor of Mortality, Acute Hospitalization and Use of Out-of-Hours Care looked at Norwegian data. So Norway has a system similar to the UK of having a named GP. And when we look at how good continuity is across Norway, it's usually pretty good with patients having almost 80% of their contacts with their most regularly seen doctor. So this was a huge study of over 4.5 million Norwegians, so virtually the entire population of Norway. But essentially, patients who had a longer relationship with their regular GP, say over 15 years, had an odds ratio of 0.7 compared to people who had a much shorter one-year relationship. So in other words, they were 30% less likely to use out-of-hour services. The trends were the same for acute hospital admissions, so people with more than 15 years with the same regular GP were almost 30% less likely to have an acute hospital admission. And the most striking result is that having a regular GP contributed to a 25% less chance of dying. And the trends look dose-dependent, so the longer you have a regular GP, the better odds you have. The next paper, written by colleagues working in Exeter, looks a bit more closely specifically at patients with dementia who consulted the same GP here in England. So this paper, which was published by Delgado and colleagues, was titled Continuity of GP Care for Patients with Dementia. The team looked at how continuity impacted on a number of health outcomes using uh, a cohort of 9,000 people from the CPRD, the Clinical Practice Research Data Link. What the results show is that having higher continuity was associated with a significantly lower risk of emergency hospital admission, developing delirium, or developing incontinence amongst these patients with dementia. And the differences were big. So patients with the highest continuity had a 35% reduction in the risk of delirium, a 58% reduction in the risk of incontinence, and a 10% reduction in risk of an emergency hospital admission. Part of the reason why is that GPs who saw the same patient were better at reducing inappropriate medication. So higher continuity was associated with fewer drugs deemed potentially inappropriate and a lower medication burden in this population. Now, I know that some of you may not buy into this idea of continuity as simply a personal relationship between a patient and their one named GP in today's NHS. So I just wanted to finish with one final paper, which has just recently been published as uh, an early manuscript by a team from Hong Kong led by Zhu. And this paper was titled Team-Based Continuity of Care for Patients with Hypertension. This paper takes a team-based approach to continuity and focuses on that informational continuity and shared management plans. The doctor teams here in the study consisted of usually around three doctors in one team, and if a patient's usual doctor wasn't there, the patient's asked to book in with another doctor within that team. And this was another big study published here in the BJGP of over 400,000 patients. And what they found here is really interesting. So higher team-based continuity of care was associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular disease, 
and a lower risk of dying amongst those patients with high blood pressure. And again, this was a linear association. So higher continuity was more protective. And it's not too much of a leap to think if a similar team-based approach might work in other chronic conditions and other multidisciplinary teams in primary care. So that's been a bit of a short run-through of some of the current research and debate here that we've published here in the BJGP. I'm now going to move on to a clip of Sir Dennis from the workshop itself. But if you think about it, if you are committed to providing continuity, you have to decide, well, with which doctor does any given patient have continuity? What's the plan? And the list is simply a plan of those patients uh, who will be planned to have as much continuity as is reasonably possible, uh, given that most GPs are working part-time around the year. And of course, all GPs in a practice don't need to have a list. Uh, doctors on the retainer scheme and GPs working two sessions or less a week can't really have a list. But it's very important for the ones who do. And then there's the business of measurement. Uh, I think we're all a bit resistant to measurement after the sort of cough reaction. But there isn't now any doubt that actually only by measuring does any practice know where they stand. A lot of people can talk about it. We, people can say we're good. People can say we're bad. But if you don't measure it, you don't know so everything depends on measurement. And fortunately now, there are several simple tools available which will give immediate readings and practices of exactly what sort of level uh, that, that is happening. Uh, and we have found huge differences. The big message today is that British general practice has divided into two groups. The biggest group has let continuity go, and the national figures show it steadily falling. A minority group has maintained it and maintained it at good levels. Uh, and so measurement has been the key because measurement has shown that some practices are doing continuity, GP continuity very well. And we have measured in two PCNs now, and in one of them, there was a 100% difference in GP continuity between two practices side by side, uh, adjacent, and neither of them knew. So I want to finish by looking to the future. I think we're at a really important time because we have got a crisis, then the continuity is steadily falling nationally. We've got to find a way of spreading it from those practices that are doing it well to help other people. The big issue I suggest is going to be the future GP contract. I don't think it's going to change much in April 2004, which is only a few months away, but we have a major decision by the Conference of Local Medical Committees that GP continuity should come into the next contract. That's absolutely fundamental. We have the leadership of the BMA GPs, and that includes the chair of the GPC and the chair of the LMC conference, absolutely committed to getting continuity into the contract. So I think the best guess for us in this room today is that it is likely to come into the 2025 contract. That, Madam Chairman, gives us 15, 16 months to get our house in order and to get things going in the practice is we don't want to be caught with a sudden contractual change in 25, which we're not ready for. I think that's a reasonable period of time, and I hope people will take advantage of it. Thank you very much. Great words there from Sir Dennis. The BJGP Editor-in-Chief, Ewan Lawson, was also present at the workshop and he had these words to sum things up. Continuity in the last few years has featured 
an incredible amount as well, as Nardo has demonstrated. And there's several papers there that haven't been mentioned as well. I think the thing about continuity is it's just cross-cutting as well, isn't it? You know, it's, it's about workforce concerns, it's about our job satisfaction, it's about doing the best for patients as well. So it kind of is almost the golden thread that is going through general practice, and one that we need to, as already been said several times, if we don't prioritise it, I think that's perhaps the key measure. But what I, what, what I think has been brilliant as well here is the fact that you've been offered some practical measures and things you can go back and do. There was another paper that wasn't mentioned by Sally Hull and colleagues in East London, about 126, 129 practices looking at practice size and continuity. And unsurprisingly, there was a gradient between the smallest and the largest. But perhaps, you know, so the smallest practices were able to do more continuity. But perhaps the most important thing, and Dennis alluded to this, is in the middle ground there of medium practices, there's a huge, there's a huge difference. So there's enormous potential to change what you're doing in terms of those practices, particularly around that middling size. I think it's up for debate about whether the very large practices, 30, 40 GPs, larger together, can potentially, how they're going to manage continuity, that's a much tougher ask. Um, that's, a, that's often about survival for them in some very difficult circumstances. But for those of you in those middling ones, there's great potential to actually make changes. Um, I don't think I want to add any more than that. If continuity was a medicine, we'd almost be thinking about, we'd certainly be giving it to everyone, it'd be prioritised above all else. We might be talking about putting it in the water, I think, <laughs> as it stood. Um, the big thing that kicked this off for the BJGP was perhaps the Sandvik paper, the Norwegian one, which has been incredibly well cited. It got raised in a lot of policy circles and in Parliament by none other than Jeremy Hunt, actually championed it. A chat with a very interesting character arc um, as he went from health secretary to some kind of chair of the health select committee where he championed a lot of general practice back to his current situation. Um, I don't want to finish on a downbeat note. <laughs> um, I think it's what I'd say. Um, it has, but it has been great to see it. The final thing I want to say is a little, a little, but we've obviously pushed the BJGP large here. Um, all the research papers are open access, so freely available. And um, obviously we publish a lot of opinion and comment and analysis and editorials as well. If you want to get print BJGP, please do opt in. You'll find details on the BJGP website. It's still available online, but if you want a print copy, ask the GP members and all entitled as well. So um, if you'll forgive my, my final little push there for that, I will just, I, I mean, I'll probably let you do the thanks, Camilla, but I've just thought it was wonderful from there. Yeah, thank you. And absolutely. So that's it. And thank you very much for your time here. And thank you for listening to this BJGP podcast. This has been a great summary of some of the more impactful research published by the BJGP relating to continuity of care. I've added links to all of the papers discussed on the podcast webpage at bjgplife.com. So if you want to go back to the original papers, you can find these here. It's been a wonderful experience having Sir Dennis Pereira-Gray involved with the BJGP team here at the RCGP conference and providing his perspective from years of experience working clinically through a framework of continuity and contributing to some of the more recent research in this area. If you're interested in hearing more about continuity, check out the website continuitycounts.com for more information about continuity research, how to measure it and how to put it into practice. Thanks again and bye!